Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Decision Point with Anand and Dury. And Anand, it's time to start our series. It's time to start breaking down each of these divisions, free agent moves, draft picks they've made, what the Vegas lines are heading into the season. A lot going on. We're going to start with the AFC East because there's a lot going on with the AFC East. There's moves being made by the New England Patriots, which are not good. There's some interesting lines on the Bills. We know the the Jets have made huge moves in the offseason. There's a lot of intrigue around the Dolphins. So how do, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about the AFC East? Just in general, what are your thoughts? AFC East, super competitive division or softer than people think? I think this is going to be a super competitive division because everyone's making moves that seem like they're focused towards winning in 2023, which if you're New England is kind of strange to me. But for everybody else, if you're the Dolphins, you traded away a bunch of capital and it worked out while Tua was healthy Tyreek and Jalen Waddle were among the most prolific receivers we had last year so the the formula that they had was working for x amount of time now they've obviously bolstered that roster and gone into the draft and done some other things but I think it Buffalo's installed as the favorite and they should be we're gonna get all people are gonna that image is seared into their mind of Diggs yelling at Allen on the sideline as they're getting boat raced by Cincinnati at home in the snow. Fun fact, Jamar Chase said after that game, that was the first snow game he's ever played in. So there's a fun little trivia fact for you. But more than anything else, they're the best team in this division until someone proves otherwise. And I think those lines are set for Buffalo to win the division and to be the kind of that third favorite in the AFC behind Kansas City and Cincinnati accordingly. But this is a super interesting division. Aaron Rodgers comes to town for the Jets. Easily the best quarterback they've had in who knows how long. Since how long? Forever, maybe. Even if we're talking about 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, is still potentially the best Jets quarterback ever. (laughs) Who's he unseating? Namath? Chad Pennington? (laughs) Is it Ken O'Brien? Ken O'Brien had a, a couple good years in the 80s. I would probably take Aaron Rodgers. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my thumb, I went to O'Brien and I went to uh, Namath. 
if you ever want to feel better about your quarterback situation as a franchise, regardless of your favorite team, just go look at who the best Jets and Bears quarterbacks ever are. And you'll feel infinitely better about whoever is, is taking snaps for you right now. <laughs> okay, Jets quarterbacks back through time. Okay, I'm on uh, just, I just went to the internet. So this is where I didn't go to Wikipedia. I didn't go to NFL.com. I didn't go to NFL reference, sports reference, football reference, no references. <laughs> this is just who they've had. Are you ready for these quarterbacks? Oh, boy. Here we so go. These are some of the quarterbacks. Brett Favre was a quarterback. Okay. I will right. I will say that that worked out. He he shredded his elbow or whatever it was. I can't remember bicep something. He tore something in his arm. And but until then, that was a good team. I think they were like eight and three when that happened, and then they fell apart after that. And it, Brett Favre's Jets career is remembered for a different story. Right. So they've they've also had Josh McCown. <laughs> he was fine, fine. Right. Ken O'Brien. Right. The venerable Ken O'Brien, underrated, underrated. Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington was the first quarterback drafted in the Tom Brady draft class. That's what he's best known for now, right? He was better than people remember. Was he? I think so. He was? I think so. Oh, I didn't that that I did not know that. I did not know that I did not know Pennington was underrated. I knew he was a game manager. I knew he was adequate at times. I mean, Chad Pennington adequate at times. Isn't that how you would describe him? Yeah. I mean, he won a division while Brady was in New England. That's right. Well, technically, I mean, <laughs> nursing a torn ACL. Yes, yes. While he was rehabbing, yes. Kellen Clemens. Shout out to Oregon. Kellen Clemens was a was a New York Jets quarterback. We also have a quarterback that's that had one of the best seasons, one of the most efficient seasons for sure of any NFL quarterback last year, but not with the Jets. He was drafted by the Jets. His name's Geno Smith. That's a potential Jets quarterback. Uh, they had a quarterback named Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer played. He played. He played for the Jets for a little bit, as did Carter. Rick Meyer. That just reminds me of the uh, the butterfly effect in one It was oh one oh two where uh, Tom Tupa came in and played like three quarters of a game. And then Rick Meyer came in in the fourth and somehow blew a lead. I think it was to New England back in the day. And that was the year. <laughs> that was the year before I think Brady took over that Bledsoe won the division. I just, there, every Jets fact that you throw out there is somehow just depressing and sad. Those, those poor fans, they deserve something. They deserve something significantly better than what they've gotten. They, they, deserve, they deserve a lot more than what, at quarterback. So this, they've had some of these uh, former, Steelers come and they 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 finish out their career with the Jets like uh, Neil O'Donnell. Oh wow, they are the premier destination for the journeyman quarterback. We're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had he had he had a couple uh, fun years with the Jets, as did Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde, and then of course Joe Flacco recently had a stop with the Jets. We know about, the, about Brett Favre and his uh, gray penis. Spent some time with the Jets, and of course Mark Sanchez. And was, I wasn't going to go straight to the butt fumble. Okay, you have to know that I'm a lot more sophisticated and creative than that. I'm not going to go straight to the butt fumble, but the butt fumble was a thing, and that was Mark Sanchez. And yeah, so it's it's Aaron Rodgers and Joe Namath, and then uh, a bunch of guys. That's that's Jets. 
quarterback lore right there. He's probably the best Jets quarterback ever without ever, ever having taken a snap. I think that's right. That, which is hysterically sad. I think it's fun to just talk about bad quarterbacks. Ken O'Brien, not one of them. Ken O'Brien was a good quarterback. Now, this show brought to you by NordVPN. So I want to talk to you about NordVPN. When you're traveling, it's easy to use. One click to enable and auto-connect. They have 5,700 servers in 60 countries, and you can find a server near you for better speed, especially in a faraway location. I just got back from Barcelona. This is why I want to talk about this today. I went to Barcelona, fired up NordVPN, and I had a faster internet connection. It was more secure. They're on every major platform. You can use it on Windows, Android, iOS. I mean, you can probably find whatever streaming service that you're using at a lower price in a different country. You just open up the map, you click on the location, and it lets you connect in seconds because that's one of the drawbacks of traveling is you can never find anything to watch. And you try to stream something and it says, oh, the, based on your location, this is not going to work. You need to find a good VPN provider, especially before you travel. I recommend nordvpn.com slash profiler it's nordvpn.com slash profiler and you use code profiler use code profiler you get a huge discount plus a bonus gift and a 30-day money-back guarantee check it out they're helping to pay for all of this our sponsors make it possible so NordVPN.com slash Profiler. The code is Profiler. So check out NordVPN. For anyone that's never used a VPN and kind of quote unquote virtually moved yourself around, the Europe version of NFL Game Pass is significantly better than ours because you can live stream most games. So if you're into that facet of things, I would recommend checking that out as opposed to the US side of Game Pass, which usually only has stuff there's whatever game is live in your area and then you know obviously cut ups after but if you're one of those people that love streaming especially if you're abroad already europe's version of nfl game pass i believe from what i've heard allows you to stream every nfl game so until you actually go and travel and try to access television you don't really appreciate the power of a vpn and now i do and so this is why we're talking about this today and there's just a lot going on with the AFC East. First and foremost, the Bills. The Bills are the favorites. So I think if we just start with the Bills, you believe that the Bills are underrated, that they're a good bet. I think so. Uh, to win the Super Bowl. Like that they, they were the second favorite when it opened, and now they're the third favorite. So they're leaking odds at this very moment, which is the time you, you might want to think about striking. The Bills are plus 900 on most books to win the Super Bowl. And I think at 9-1, to one, you're looking at a team that we've thought, and not just you and I, but kind of groupthink for everybody, we've thought was in that discussion with Cincinnati and Kansas City. They just haven't gotten over that hump yet where they beat both of them or beat one of them to advance to a Super Bowl. We think the AFC is significantly stronger than the NFC. That If the Bills were an NFC team, they would have made that Super Bowl run already, most likely. It's just they're, they're chasing the two best teams in the sport right now, potentially, are Cincinnati and Kansas City. You can throw the Eagles in there you know, if they do it again for one more year. But 
at least two of the three best teams in the league are on the AFC side and Buffalo has to go through them. I think they're being underrated simply because they haven't done something. And I think we need to make the distinction between has not and cannot. Just because somebody, just because a team hasn't done something yet doesn't mean they can't do it. I think they can do it. That's right. And I, I think wholeheartedly everyone believes Allen is the type of transformative talent at quarterback that can carry you even in a game against a Mahomes or a Burrow if you give him help, which is why we've been screaming from the rooftops. Everybody unanimously is asking, why is DeAndre Hopkins not a Buffalo Bill yet? Because I promise you, people will be incentivized to actually make that 9-1 to bet on Buffalo to win the Super Bowl if they go get a DeAndre Hopkins. They've just desperately needed a number two receiver for it seems like forever. We wanted it to be Gabe Davis. There was a Cole Beasley moment where, you know, you get some slot yards and that's fun and awesome. Dalton Kincaid is not your number two wide receiver. That's not what he Mm -hmm. got drafted to be. And Dawson Knox can't be your number two wide receiver. Otherwise, they would have done that already. Adding Hopkins here more than any other team, I think, actually bolsters their odds to not just win this division, but potentially make that Super Bowl run and leapfrog a Cincinnati into Kansas City. It's just hard for for anyone to see a way that they go to Cincinnati, they go to Kansas City and win, but this team's capable of doing that. We just haven't seen it yet. But the metrics have illustrated the quality of the Buffalo Bills. The advanced metrics on Football Outsiders, they have DVOA, Buffalo had the number one total DVOA last year. That tells me that they got unlucky. If you were the number one DVOA team, by a wide margin, it was 35 to 27. So they were plus 35, and the next highest team was San Francisco at plus 27, and San Francisco didn't have a quarterback last year. (laughs) And Philadelphia was next at plus 25, and Kansas City at plus 23, and then Cincinnati at plus 18. So you could tell by the teams that are in the top five that the DVOA is measuring the right details. And Buffalo was by far and away the best team looking at just the overall efficiency, the advanced efficiency for the defense and the offense together. And then it's the defense. We know about Josh Allen, but the defense was top five. Those teams I listed. They were not in the top five of defense DVOA with the exception of San Francisco and Buffalo. San Francisco had the best defense DVOA. Buffalo had the fourth best defense DVOA. What happened? Josh Allen crumbled down the stretch. He was not efficient at all. He looked more like Josh Allen from his first two years in the league than he did Josh Allen the last three years in the league. Right, It was a Jekyll and Hyde year for Josh Allen, and you can trace it back to injuries that he played through and he did not complain. So this year he's healthy. And so you think they get some fortunate bounces. They have a healthy quarterback. They still have one of the most talent-rich rosters in the league. They can make it through this division. It's a a murderer's row division. It's a a true gauntlet with the exception of the Patriots we're going to talk about later how they're just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But yeah, this should be Bill's favorite to win the division by a wide margin. This should be Bill's running away with this thing. And yet, when I look at the odds to win the AFC East, I was shocked. That was one of the most shocked. 
odd sets I've seen where it's Bills plus 130 is the consensus across most of the services. And then the Jets were plus 250, Dolphins plus 300. That's consensus. And I'm like, that's way too close. It's not that tight. It can't be that tight. It's not that tight. Even Josh Allen's odds to win MVP are better than the Bills' odds to win the Super Bowl. And we, we talked about that arbitrage in previous shows where Josh Allen's plus 700 to an MVP where the Bills are plus 900. So what's the move? You bet the Bills. You bet the Bills. The, the thing about Allen winning MVP that's tough is everybody's getting judged by Mahomes' standard, which isn't – I mean, it's not really fair to anyone, but it's the way we give out that award. It's a narrative-based award. We want a story to accompany MVP, which is it, – it drives me insane sometimes. Give it to the best player, but I get it. We need to change the name of that award to Player of the Year because that's the way we hand it out. It is not the most valuable player. It's Player of the Year. That's how we issue it. They need to change the name of that award if they want to continue to issue it the way that they do. But Allen has everything outside of a number two receiver that would lead you to believe he could get there. He's going to have the rushing yards. He's going to score rushing touchdowns. You know they're going to air it out all over the place. The Bills' offense is every bit as dynamic as it ever was. The question that we've had forever is when someone can double digs effectively, do you have a counterpunch to throw other than Josh go run us in, basically? The one game that they got someone to show up as a a number two in a game that really, really mattered in a close back-and-forth game was the game that we thought Gabe Davis broke out. Can he do that consistently? We've seen evidence to the contrary. I don't think Gabe Davis is your number two long-term. If he has to be your number two, I don't know that this team can go as far as they should go because I promise you, when you get to Cincinnati, when you get to Buffalo, they're not going to let Stefan Diggs go for 12 for 140 in two scores. It's not going to happen. Someone else is going to have to do the heavy lifting for you against teams that are capable and have number one corners to do that. And I think the problem here, if if you're looking at what you know people are betting on in this market, part of what they're betting on is that the Jets have a corner in Gardner that you can leave on an island with digs. There aren't many of them. There are maybe four or five in the league that you can feel comfortable leaving digs on an island with, and he's one of them. Now you add the Dolphins acquiring Jalen Ramsey. What they're telling you is basically, hey, Buffalo, we're going to dare someone else to beat us. If you can beat us with Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, so be it. We're not going to let you beat us with Allen and Diggs. They've got to find something else that works, and that's why we've been pounding the table for Hopkins. He provides the solution. You can't you can't feel like you can leave DeAndre Hopkins on an island one-on-one with your number two. That's where the conflict occurs. That's why he needs to be a Buffalo Bill today. If they really want to make this run, and they tried to do it with Von Miller and he got hurt, that's unfortunate, but it happens. If you keep pushing your chips in, if you're Buffalo, eventually one of those, these years, it, it's all going to align somehow. I just I I struggle to see a way that they get that done unless they find a number two. And whether that's someone on their roster or it's Hopkins, someone has to establish themselves as that number two threat to even keep people honest. 
when playing against them. And it's tough because Allen is your primary rushing threat. Allen's your primary passing threat. You have one true legitimate number one receiver and a bunch of guys that are really threes. You need a number two. And if if Dalton Kincaid can fill that role, I don't think he can. But if that's what you drafted him to do, I think the prudent move would be to sign DeAndre Hopkins. If you if we know he can do it at that level too. He showed that in Houston. He showed that in Arizona. Even towards the end of last year, he was productive when he was on the field. That's all you can ask for. And you know immediately as you sign him day one, that's your number two receiver. I would go do that right now. Gabriel Davis is not the answer. Gabriel Davis has lost all respect around the league. His average cushion was 4.18. That's 93rd in the league. This is for a player who specializes in deep targets. Okay, He was number 12 in deep targets with 24 last year. His average target distance, the A dot, 15.2, was number 6 in the NFL. This is all he does is get downfield. The problem is no one is worried about him. He has an 8.7% drop rate, which was top 10 in the league, and his contested catch conversion rate of 30% on 20 targets last year was number 85 in the NFL. If Gabriel Davis is the answer, you're asking the wrong question. He's not it, man. He's not it. Whether it's Shakir, I don't care who it is, it ain't him. It's got to be someone else. Is it Deontay Hardy? It doesn't matter who you want to put out there, but you keep giving him a 90% snap share, and you are setting your team up to fail. Now, the decline in Josh Allen's accuracy rating and his... Completion percentages across the board on playerprofiler.com did not actually start at the midway point of last season. They started in 2021 because you had that 2020 Josh Allen season, his his peak season, 70% completion percentage. We're like, okay, he's not the quarterback we thought he was from Wyoming. This is a completely different guy. And then if you look back, actually, to 2021, 2022, his completion percentage has never crested 64%. So that 2020 70% completion percentage year has been revealed to be a massive outlier. He is still an erratic quarterback. And if you're an erratic quarterback and your deep threat struggles at the catch point, struggles in contested situations they're not giving him any cushion at the line of scrimmage so they're forcing him to go up and clash with defenders in contested situations and he's failing so you can't have gabriel davis playing that role i would just assume it be hardy or shakir or literally anyone else to help improve their chances but the fact that it is july and they have yet to sign DeAndre Hopkins, to me, is crazy. Like, whatever it takes, man, get him in the building. Every day that goes by is a day that it's good. he's not learning the playbook at the level that he could. He's not getting acclimated, that he's missing some mini camp, whether even if he's not going to be on the field as a, you know, with a veteran deference, at least get him in the meeting room. Uh, Josh Allen, he knows it's now or never. Let's go win a Super Bowl. He's inviting the receivers to his house. I don't know if Josh Allen's doing this, but a lot of a lot of quarterbacks do. They do. Like Dak Prescott and, and Jalen Hurts, we know. So it, it would give 
Hopkins the opportunity to participate in all of these things to help get him ramped up for the season. What what is the what is the delay? I don't understand it. They're in a similar situation to where Cincinnati was last offseason, where there is a glaring hole. And if you have to overpay to make a run for a position or two, that's the position to overpay right now. Every wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. got, what, $18 million? Who cares? Who cares? Like, if, if you are a, a team trying to contend for a Super Bowl, with Gabe Davis as your number two wide receiver, you're in trouble. If you, DeAndre Hopkins is your number two, you have potentially one of the best duos in the league. But if you have to pay him $20 million, pay him $20 million and just say, hey, this is a one-year deal. If you if you show up and earn your $20 million, we'll give you another $20 million in 2024. Because first, you have to prove to us that you're fully healthy and capable of handling an 18- or 17-game season. And then from there, we'll discuss a long-term deal. If, you, if you're still what you think you are, we'll give you what you think you're worth this year. And then after that, prove it to us. Whose idea was it to post up a wide receiver that runs a 4-6 in, in a stretch receiver position to the, on the outside and say, hey, you're going to be either the stretch X or the stretch Z, depending on the formation, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to be top three in the league in target depth and yards per reception. And who's making that decision when they're de- deciding on the personnel packages? Gabe Davis, he doesn't run a 4-6. He runs a 4-5-4. Four, four. Okay, so all apologies to Gabe Davis and his family. Gabriel, excuse me, and excuse me, it was not a 4-6. It's a 4-5-4. Four, He's comparable to Zach Pascal on playerprofiler.com. That's not the player you run deep. At least Shakir runs a sub 4-5-40. Put him in that position. Anybody. This team is in such need of speed. It w- it's one thing when you have a, a game manager at quarterback. If you have Brock Purdy and you want to run an offense uh, around horizontal route structures and maybe getting your tight end and a kittle down the seam. If you have Brock Purdy under center, that makes perfect sense. But if you have Josh Allen, a guy with the strongest arm in the league, how are you not surrounding him with people that can extend defenses to a place that they get uncomfortable? How do they not have a Marquise Brown or even a Marquise Goodwin on the team? The better question is, why are they trying to use Gabe Davis like he profiles as Will Fuller? It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. It's such a it's a misallocation of resources. It just it it's made no sense to me. Uh, Dable found something, and I think they need to go back to the well. I think they tried to get too cute at times with Ken Dorsey. I think he needs to go back to a lot of what Dable was doing because it was working more consistently than what they tried last year. The offense is gonna be fine. Against most teams, the, the the teams you've got to figure out are Cincinnati and Kansas City. And what I'll tell you is until Lou Anarumo takes a different job outside of Cincinnati, what he's done in their playoff runs has been nothing short of miraculous. They're, he's not going anywhere this year. You're going to have to deal with that again. And then you're going to have to deal with the super freak human that is Patrick Mahomes at some point. You're probably going to have to beat one of them, if not both of them, 
on the way to the Super Bowl. They're capable of doing it. They just haven't yet. And it's clear Gabe Davis is not the answer. So try something, try anything else. I understand that they took Kincaid where they took him because they feel like maybe, you know, if we move to two tight end sets, maybe we can run the ball a little bit more effectively. Maybe we won't be so one-dimensional where Josh Allen is our primary rushing threat. That's kind of an issue too. They're they're trying. They're so close to to what they could be, and they're that one piece away. Cincinnati saw it last year and said, we need to get better at guard. Overpaid to some people for the pieces that they got. Fine. Who cares? Who cares? You're trying to right. win a Super Bowl. This is not we're, – we're not talking about Carolina acquiring resources to build a roster. We're talking about, hey, we need mercenaries. The best mercenary available right now is DeAndre Hopkins. Go get him. Anything would be an upgrade, but it would be also be nice if they had DeAndre Hopkins and if they had drafted a field stretcher in, in the draft. Yeah. That would have also been an option. So if you go back and you and you recast the die from the NFL draft, the Bills traded up with Jacksonville two spots to get Dalton Kincaid. When they already have Dawson Knox, it was not a position of need. It's not a position that's going to move the needle. And certainly a rookie tight end is not the thing that's going to get you over the top in any given season. No. Okay? So if they just stayed put and drafted who Jacksonville drafted, it would have been Anton Harrison. It would have been a massive upgrade on the offensive line. Now you say, well, they did get they they upgraded their offensive line. They got Osiris Torrance. I understand that. They got Osiris Torrance in the second round. That was a great pick. That was one of the best picks of the second round. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no question. Is he as good as Anton Harrison? No. Did anyone have him graded as as high as Anton Harrison? Not Cody and none of the people that we respect the most. So you could have had a, a much better outcome if you just recast the die, slide one door open and one door close, stay put, don't trade up and you know, outthink yourself. Just take the chalk offensive lineman who's available in Harrison and then take the chalk receiver that was available at pick 60 Marvin Mims had they if they could just go back in time and they could have Harrison and Mims as opposed to Torrance and Kincaid that drastically different much better much better agreed much better right this reminds me of that time that I love the Torrance pick yeah we loved the Torrance pick it's fine but what if yeah, right? it's like my favorite. What if of all time in terms of first and second rounds, if you had just recast and, you know, slide your doors would be if the Cowboys had said, listen, we're going to leave this draft with a stud running back. Right. Many years ago, decade ago, Cowboys said we're leaving this draft with a stud running back. OK, so what they do, they drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the top five. Right. They could have had <laughs> Jalen Ramsey and they said, no. Zeke, right? And then guess who was available in the second round to them that they then had to pass on because they already had Zeke? I can't remember. Can you guess? I can't remember. Derrick Henry. Oh, oh my God. Derrick Henry was there mid-second round, just sitting there perfectly positioned. So if they had just been able to reset and go back, they oh. could have had Ramsey and Henry. Wow. That, yeah. that could have been, they could be Cowboys. They could have been Cowboys for life. Jeez. 
Oh my God. Can you imagine how many Jalen Ramsey jerseys would have sold in Dallas? I'm oh. just, that's just the thing that could have happened if things had just happened. You know, the man, the, the deck was shuffled a little bit different, but that's it. It's going to be the weakness that costs the Bills a championship is wide receiver. That is how it's that's that's how it's looking. The other danger is that Josh Allen continues his regression that actually started all the way back in 2020, and that. What we heard was just a lot of rationalization and cope around an injury last year when really defenses are starting to put more pressure on him, starting to figure out his tendencies, and he needs to rework some of the ways he approaches the game this year, right? Because it's all it's a game of adjustments. They're going to adjust, and then you have to readjust. Then they adjust, then you readjust. So we'll see if, if Josh Allen can readjust. Uh, if he can't, I, I, we can't blame it all on the second receiver or the lack thereof or the, the failure of the front office to give him the weapons that he needs. They did go out and aggressively pursue trading for Diggs, a number one receiver, so they did do that right. They got him at one of the better pass-catching tight ends that's come along. So it's not a total failure by them, but they should have gone Harrison and Mims. Patriots, right? Patriots are the worst team in the division, and it's funny. Like, everything that's happening in New England, would you agree with this? That it's just funny how <laughs> this is now the team that's doing the weirdest shit in the league? Belichick the GM versus Belichick the coach is so funny to me. Belichick the, Belichick the coach has been saving Belichick the GM for a long time, and he's been right a lot, too. So you have to give them some credit. When they used to trade trade players, let them walk a year early, they'd oh, come yeah. back and get them at massive discounts. Mm. There are a few guys that, that you miss on. The Chandler Jones one's a big one. Um, but for the most part, Brady allowed Belichick to get away with a lot of that. And not having him there to save you when the decisions that you've made have been wrong shows up so aggressively here when Mac Jones is your quarterback. And it's this is nothing against Mac Jones. He's not Tom Brady. But <laughs> yet. I don't think anyone's ever I don't I don't think anyone's ever accused him of being Tom Brady. Yet. <laughs> but you're surrounding him with the same pieces that you tried to surround Brady with and expecting it to work. It can't. The guy wearing 12 in New England is the potentially the best football player we've ever seen. And asking a kid to come out of Alabama and do the same thing as you promoted a guy that no one wanted in Houston anymore to be your offensive coordinator, a guy that's been a defensive coordinator to be your offensive coordinator. You're asking so much out of this kid and surrounding him with Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not like we're talking about Stefan Diggs and, and prime Odell Beckham Jr. here. You're asking this kid to carry an offense as the defense, well, excellent. There's no question about that. Belichick's defense is always going to be very good. But you have to have something offensively at this point, and it just ain't this, man. The moves no. that they've made are very strange. I don't get it. I've never understood post-Brady what the plan was. It, it kind of just seemed like the idea was, well, We'll figure it out, and we'll figure it out hasn't gotten them very far. A major tank in Mac Jones' rookie year would have been nice. 
Yeah. They would have really helped them if they had just tanked. That would have been that would have been a, that would have been the start of a plan, right? That would have been the first the first step in a quality plan, but they didn't do that. Yep. Bill O'Brien suddenly is a huge upgrade. Yeah. Right? He's he's suddenly a reason to get excited. It, because he's just better than the last guy they had who wasn't even offensive minded in an offensive coordinator position. A guy that didn't understand how to run an offense who and was one of the more overrated assistant coaches in New England Patriots history in Matt Patricia, who I have a clown shirt made of. This <laughs> that the only reason why Bill O'Brien is suddenly like a, a savior coordinator is because of who he's being compared to. It's not it, an upgrade. To quote right? Stephen A. Smith when the Lakers traded for Pau Gasol, when you're replacing nothing, that makes you something. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's something. Yeah, B- Bill O'Brien is something, but Bill O'Brien's not a whisperer genius guy, right? He's a chin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Can we stop the nonsense with Bill O'Brien and Adam Gase because they were around Brady and Manning for a couple of years? Like, why do we do this? If somebody comes in and is Brady's offensive coordinator, is Manning's offensive coordinator, Mahomes' offensive coordinator, can we stop pretending like they are doing the heavy lifting here? Yes, they can design stuff that makes their lives easier. Nobody is accusing Bill O'Brien of being an offensive genius. He's just better than what they had. And so at least this year, you can get an adequate picture of what Mac Jones can be going forward. Because last year, you set that poor kid up to fail. Well, he set up to fail again. You know that Juju Smith-Schuster can't participate in camp because he's still rehabbing a knee injury from last season that is not healing properly. That's not good. That's not good. And what else isn't good is that they... Also, flirting with DeAndre Hopkins. It's not over yet, but the position that DeAndre Hopkins plays is the same as a player that's the same age, and that's Devontae Parker. Right. So these are 30-year-old players. Right. One had a great year last year, was as efficient as he's ever been in DeAndre Hopkins. It was actually a rejuvenation year for DeAndre Hopkins. He was really good. He was excellent. Uh, uh, DeAndre Parker, not, not so much. And then, so they extend Devontae Parker. Now, the details on this Devontae Parker extension are interesting in that there's very little guaranteed. It's a three-year extension. It's one of the most non-three-year extension, three-year <laughs> extensions I've ever seen. Yeah. So it, it is up there with fake extensions, where it's only $14 million guaranteed, and you know that's Zay Jones' money 
for one year. Yep. And that's it. Like it's half of the amount guaranteed to Zay Jones and the same yearly rate that you're going to pay a receiver at that level. And that's way more than De- Devontae Parker is worth at this age. And yet this is what they're doing. When the news hits that the Patriots have extended Devontae Parker, you just have to laugh because I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. Like, I got this little, I got a little Patriots helmet. Really? And it's just, it's freaking worthless. <laughs> They're extending Devontae Parker. <laughs> Why? It doesn't make sense. DeAndre Hopkins wants to play for you. Do you realize what a gift that is? He should want to run and hide from a place like New England where they are so self-serious and they have a, a unearned arrogance where it's really Tom Brady that was the reason for the championships. And yet, they're, for some reason, some, some players want to play there. They, and, and so you have DeAndre Hopkins actively trying to play for, and then, no, not Hopkins. We're going to go with Devontae Parker. And you, you got the gift in Mac Jones. And what are you going to do? You're going to actively ruin him and try to destroy his confidence by starting Bailey Zappi and benching him for Bailey Zappi. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Do you know the only player in the NFL, right? The only player that they could potentially go get right now to make this a playoff team? 45-year-old Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So... When you look at the the odds to win the division, like we talked about, Bills are plus 130, Jets are plus 250, Dolphins plus 300, Patriots are plus 750. That just gives you a sense of how bad this team is. And that Vegas, in with some of these lines, clearly, you know, look at the Patriots relative to the other teams in this division, they're by far and away the worst team. And the funny thing is when I talk to Patriots fans and I say this is the worst team in the division by far, they're like, no, we're not. No, what? Really? And I'm like, well, look at the odds. Do I, I, I can walk you through the rosters of the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bills, but you don't have to do that. You can just go to FanDuel. You can just go to BetMGM and you can look at the odds to make the playoffs. And clearly the, the Patriots are are down near the bottom, but with the win totals, because win totals are set with you know, based on last year's wins, and then the books will just plus or minus based on you know some of the offseason moves that teams have made and what the schedule looks like. How lucky you got. Yeah, and then the level of, of, of fortunate bounces that, that you benefited from, like we talked about the Vikings uh, in, a, in a previous show. The line they set with the total wins over under with the Patriots was absurd. And it hasn't shifted enough against that line where the payout to go under seven and a half wins, seven and a half is still reasonable, right? It's not minus 115 anymore. That's long gone, (laughs) but it's still a reasonable payout going under. Seven and a half. That may be my favorite bet of all the options in the AFC East. The one I feel the most comfortable betting would be Patriots under seven and a half wins. The idea they're going to win eight wins, it's just, it's what would be required. You'd need Tua to go down with a concussion and not return and retire. 
You'd need Aaron Rodgers to look much dustier than anyone expects. You'd need a regression from Josh Allen. You'd need all these things to happen. And they'll be in a lot of these games. They're just not going to be able to close up. When when teams go, you know, when Diggs and Allen put up 30, when Tyreek and Waddle put up 30, when Aaron and Garrett Wilson put up 30, how are you going to stay in those games? You're relying so much on the one of the great defensive coaches of all time continuing to be able to do that in an era where everything is easier for the offense than it's ever been. At age 71, Anand, he's 71 years old. And look, there are very few that will ever do it as well as he has. It's just the, there's got to be an acknowledgement at some point. And you saw this with Saban at Alabama, actually, when he hired Lane Kiffin. I think it was 2013 or 2014. When Saban hired Lane Kiffin, it was an acknowledgement that despite the fact that Alabama was continually winning national titles, that there was going to be inevitably a shift towards offense in a way that the process that he was using was going to be outdated. He was ahead of that change. He decided to, to shift towards offense, to recruit players, to run a vertical pass game, as opposed to, you know, we're going to smash the rock and play defense. Belichick's in that same moment right now. You've got to understand, defense is not translating year to year as stickily as offense is, and the reason is because every rule is being written to generate points because points create an audience. And ultimately, this is not we're we're not in the business of sports. This the business that you're in is entertainment, right? They want people to score more points. It's going to be hard to hold on to a defensive identity forever like that. I think that they're going to win a couple games they shouldn't because the defense exceeds expectations, but they're also going to lose a couple games that they shouldn't just because the offense isn't going to cross that 17-point that threshold that's needed at this point to even compete. It's just hard to, to see a scenario where New England gets to 9-8 and eight and, and sneaks into you know contending for the playoffs. It's hard to see... Them going five hundred? No, it, they're they gonna try to go eight and nine. That that's that's what they can do. do. Have you seen the start of their schedule? No, I have not. They're 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 queued up for an zero and four start. They're at home. They get a home game. They get a home game. Hey, Anand, they've got a home game to kick off the season Sunday, September tenth. They got a, they're at home against the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, and they get another home game against the Dolphins, very losable. Then they're going on the road to face Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Then they're going on the road at Dallas because they cross against the NFC East. They also happen to cross against the AFC West. So, yeah, so they're at the Broncos, right? And then after they, after they come back from Denver, then they're at Buffalo. That's just later in the that's, – you know, that's after they've already faced the Chargers and they've faced the Chiefs. Yeah, they've got a couple games that they against well, the Raiders would be the best example where because they were last in the division last year or were they? Were they last? I think the Broncos finished last. No, no, the last in the in the AFC East because they're crossing. No, yeah, you're you're right. They cross against the Raiders because they were both second to last in their divisions. The Raiders were not they're not last and neither were the Patriots. That you feel it feels like they were. <laughs> Relative to expectations, definitely. 
I my initial assumption was they were, but they're they weren't. But so that actually helped. That actually helped that you know so, with, with some of these games they're going to actually see they get to they get to face Pittsburgh, right? So that's a benefit, right? So normally they would have to face the Browns, like but no, they they get they got lucky. So they have a couple lucky matchups in here, like their their game against the Steelers, which they'll probably still just lose anyway. Right, because when we're talking about the Steelers and their identity and Tomlin and his defense, what story are the Steelers fans telling you? Oh, well, we'll 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 beat the Patriots. Okay, so when we cross against the AFC East, we'll at least beat the Patriots with our identity, and then the Patriots will come back. Well, with our identity, we'll at least beat the Steelers. Both teams can't win that game. I would I would favor Pittsburgh, and that's what's required for both of these teams to try to get to. You know, seven and a half wins. New England isn't favored until week five at home against New Orleans. Correct. That's the first time that they're a point favorite. They're not favored again until Washington on November 5th, where they're a three and a half point favorite. Very losable game. Favored against the Colts. That's a, that's in Germany. That's it. That game's in Germany. Anything could happen. They're favored in three or four games this year. This is This is a disaster. That's it. This season is going to be a disaster, and what they should be doing, and maybe maybe this is the grand plan, but with a 71-year-old dictator, Czar Belichick, it's, I, I can guarantee this is not what's happening. In theory, it would be great to sign Devontae Parker as a way of tanking, <laughs> right? As a way of sabotaging your offense and, and telling, hey, Mac Jones, congratulations. We, 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 we locked in Devontae Parker. We got him. We got him, Mac. You know, to try to sell them on a tank, right? You, that would make sense, but that's not what they're doing. They legitimately think this is a good move. It's, just a, it's a really strange s- situation going on in New England right now, man. I, I, just, I don't know what they're trying to do. What are you? If you have a, a iron grip dictator who's 71 years old, you're never going to be able to rebuild, tear down and rebuild the way you would need to. It's not going to happen. They they have to walk away from Belichick. They have the hope is that Belichick is so demoralized after this season that they lose so many games and that they're you know three and fourteen. If you're a Patriots fan, you have to hope for that because that would expedite a proper rebuild post Belichick. We're also talking about how it's bad. You don't want to be in that NFL middle class. They've bought all the property. They have it all. <laughs> Seven and a half wins? That's, I especially when the lines favor you in, what is it, three or four games? Whew. It's, it's, uh, that, that line smells, man. And like they're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to juice up the payout to go over because it's the Patriots and it's Belichick. And that'll work, right? That'll work. There are a lot of people that'll take that over, right? We just like we talked about it, same principle with the Steelers, right? Works it, with the Steelers, works with the Patriots. It's just a historic, norms of these teams exceeding expectations nah 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 take the under last year this we planted a flag last year on going on the titans under because everybody was discussing oh this team was the number one seed in the afc last year back-to-back really strong runs with ryan Tannehill and derrick henry you've got to look a little deeper than that the situations around them changed rather quickly that's what's happening to New England. It's not that this team got dramatically worse over the past two years. It's that everyone around them got significantly better. Yeah. I mean, the Jets. Look at the Jets. Look at the Jets. 
the Jets got Aaron Rodgers, which, as we talked about, wouldn't normally be a big upgrade because Aaron Rodgers is very dusty at this point, so dusty that he was not able to post a 20 fantasy points per game game, right? No 20 fantasy points games in all of 2022, which is a glaring red flag. But based on what they had before, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White. Shout out Mikey Blanco. Aaron Rodgers is a massive upgrade, but he's not a fantasy asset. So, yes, this is an exciting team to root for. It's always cool when one of the old, you know, original teams from the AFL in this case ends up, you know, was it the AFL? Mm -hmm. Is that right? I believe so. It was the AFL and the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, yes, I'm a Patriots fan, but I do enjoy it when the Packers and the Bears and the Steelers and some of these original teams do well. And I'm excited to see the Jets with a quarterback like you talked about for the first time since Namath. They're going to have some fun, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Just don't draft him in fantasy football. Don't draft him thinking you're getting anything. <laughs> you're not going to get anything. And it's not the windfall for Garrett Wilson that some fantasy analysts believe it is. I think it's great for Alan Lazard. It's better for Alan Lazard than it is for Garrett Wilson. So I think there's a potentially sort of incongruence between how Garrett Wilson plays the sport. He's an yeah. improvisational wide receiver, and that's not necessarily how Aaron Rodgers wants his receivers to run routes. So that's to be determined. Whenever a wide receiver changes teams or gets a new quarterback, there's uncertainty there. So I am uneasy about drafting Garrett Wilson early in the second round was where he's going. And when you look, the Jets are actually plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl, which is one of one of they're one of the favorites when you look at all the super bowl they're one of the favorites to win the super bowl which is it's crazy it's also a product of the defense that jets defense is really really good yeah remember we talked about the dvoa they were top five yep the jets defense was really good last year they're young and they're only getting better which is great but the problem is, unless you have a super freak at quarterback, getting through Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati is going to be tough. And I just don't know the 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers is the answer to that. Um, again, massive upgrade because the, the guys he was replacing are literally replacement-level quarterbacks. Or some, some in the case of Zach Wilson, even below that. God, that was awful to watch. And the only weakness their defense had was that they couldn't pressure the quarterback as much as they would want and they go out and they draft will anderson will mcdonald not will anderson i wish yeah that would be i fun. wish imagine if they got will anderson oh, but God. they could have dra- they drafted a, a, an edge rusher that's actually more explosive his burst score 127.2 90th percentile will mcdonald's actually a lot more explosive than will anderson and fun player was a was a was a great pick with the 15th overall selection i love that like you know, you, your strength is the defense build on that. And then you can go and use free agency to bolster your offense. And then they, and then they went and got, they upgraded the offensive line with Joe Tipman. That was an excellent pick. When the, when the Tipman pick came in, I remember, cause he's like six, six, three twenty from Wisconsin, right? This is just one of the addressing the, the, 
guard position. He can play multiple positions, but you know probably ultimately be an NFL guard. That's exactly the type of player you want to draft at pick 15. Like one of the best edge rushers in the draft. Perfect. Will McDonald. Then Joe Tipman, one of the best guards in the draft in the middle of the second round. Perfect. So unlike the Patriots, the Jets seem to be making at this moment all the right moves to make a push. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited, especially to watch the first few games of the season play out with the Jets and see what kind of momentum they can get. When was the last time the Jets were fun? Even when they were good in the Rex Ryan era, they were never fun. The Jets are fun. This is exciting. It's a way better brand of football than they've been playing. And I'm excited to watch, obviously, Rodgers and Wilson, but also that defense kind of come together and actually have some kind of support on the offense. Brees Hall comes back. It's a fun team. Uh, you're not going to want to see the beginning of their schedule, though. It's really I, – I say that, hey, hey, this 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 first few games, it'll be fun to, to see how they do. Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, Philadelphia. Oof. <laughs> this is the hardest schedule I've ever seen to start a season. I've never seen it. I've never seen I've never seen a schedule harder than oh that. Oh my God. <laughs> we know Russell Wilson's gonna bounce back. Denver's gonna be better this year, for sure. The only easy win on there is New England. It's gonna be like one of those divisional games where it's Belichick versus the Jets, and it's gonna get all weird. Yep. So that's going to be a weird one. And then, so what they need to do, and then the second game is at Dallas. So actually, when you look at this, what they really need to do, this is very important, is to beat Buffalo at home week one. That would set Buffalo, and Bills fans would be beyond, beside themselves. I think it can happen. I think, so. I, th- I think it can happen, too. Do you know the line? What's the line on this game? I have not looked yet. Let's look that up. Let's look up the I want to know the line. Jets at home against Buffalo. I'm going to guess it's going to be Buffalo minus three. It's Bills minus one and a half. Oh, oh, it's almost a pickup with a game total of 47. Very winnable. That's a, that's a win. Let's chalk that up as a win. And congratulations. You're on the road to Dallas. Then you got to get Kansas City. And then you're on the road at Denver. Then you got. Philadelphia at home. So they've got a ton of difficult matchups, but the most difficult matchups are at home. Buffalo's at home, Philadelphia's at home, Kansas City's at home. Then they've got the Chargers at home a couple weeks after that. It's brutal. I mean, the second half is amazing. I mean, the second half is Raiders, Atlanta, Houston, Washington, of course, the Patriots again. Do you think that there is a Dallas Cowboys fan on planet Earth? that feels good about Aaron Rodgers walking into Jerry World? Do you think there's a Dallas Cowboys, just one, on planet Earth, that feels confident? These are all winnable games. And the Dallas Cowboys with Aaron Rodgers walking into town? These are all winnable games. It's a it's a win if they can start 2-3. and three. They're happy if they steal one of these games, either on the road at Denver or at home against Buffalo, one of these games they can steal and then beat the Patriots, two and three, and, and you've survived. Look at this. Between the Chiefs game, the Broncos, and the Eagles, they're one-point dogs at home against Kansas City. They're favored by one on the road at Denver, and then they're one-point dogs again at home against Philly. 
So I think the bottom line here is taking the Jets plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl, it's not a strong bet. I don't think so. This is just Aaron Rodgers' brand equity, knowing that, hey, Jets fans, you know, gambling is legal in New York. <laughs> Jets fans like to gamble. Right, I'm oh. sure there's a there's an inordinate percentage. I mean, I I've no I don't have the data on this, but I would I would bet anything, bet anything, that there's an inordinate percentage of Jets fans that are also sports betters, <laughs> and that's part of why that's plus sixteen hundred. Because I'm looking at that going, does it make sense? Miami's plus twenty five hundred. Miami to me is a much better bet. Than- it's a way better bet. Doesn't make any sense compared to plus. Six. I like. I think Miami is is really teed up. They've also made some good decisions with their personnel. One of my favorite picks was Cam Smith. Cam Smith was their pick in the second round because they didn't have you know a pick to make, and they did address the you know a position of need in Cam Smith, and so I thought that was one of the underreported strong bets strong picks from an NFL team because he's 6-1, runs a 4-4-3. He's best comparable to Sauce Gardner. He's got incredible bursts. He's a, he's a hyper-athlete and, uh, you know, SEC cornerback. So I thought that was great value they got on him in, in the mid-second round, and it addressed a need, and it's exactly what uh, they, they're going to have to bring with them all these games they have to match up with Diggs. we have to match up with garrett wilson we talked about they got to match up with Devonte parker <laughs> why why do you do this it's crazy that db room is gonna be nuts it's a good db room Xavier howard jalen ramsey <laughs> javon holland brandon jones i near they are making the right moves they're bringing in ramsey they had they locked up Xavier howard and then they're adding the strength on strength. Whenever I see a team do this, where they're drafting the right position in the right round and the right profile, regardless of need and quotes, it always makes me happy. I'm like, okay, they understand that there's injuries. Okay, they understand that in any, any given we, – we had a situation a couple of years ago where Baltimore lost four of their starting corners. Like every time a corner was starting, he would go down. And so they were down to their fifth and sixth – cornerback on the depth chart to have to put in the in the lineup so that's that's why you have to when it comes to offensive line when it comes to the secondary you just have to keep doubling down and the Dolphins did that and then of course they made a mistake when they try to draft for need right oh we need a running back we got to get Devon A chain he's the right fit for our system he's explosive through these wide running lanes that you know our magical coach is gonna is gonna is gonna go ahead and draw up for these guys and it's like no 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 if you're going to forfeit your pick because your owner is a scumbag and you're going to you know trade another pick that in the day 1 day 2 you got to make these picks count, right? Cam Smith is making that pick count. But Love Devon that. A chain as we've talked about on this show, investing in running back rarely makes sense, especially when it's day 1 or day 2 and there are there are hyper quality players available. That is always a fail. Always, you, always. Even though it's a fit. It's a fit. It was value. I understand. You get value and fit. Fail. Miami's biggest question, and it's one of the things, if you could, people ask this sometimes, if you could 
kind of get in advance someone's stat line for the year, if you could know one thing in advance, I don't know that there's a bigger leverage point for a division, for a team's outcome that you could basically unmask than finding out what Tua's end year stat line looks like. Does he stay healthy? And if he does, does this team work out the way that it can? Because if they do play the way that they can, this team has the pieces to challenge a Cincinnati, a Buffalo, a Kansas City. They absolutely can go blow for blow with those teams if he stays healthy and if things fit the way that we think they can fit. It's one thing to do it for half a season, you know, and nobody has film on you or what you're going to try to do. It's very difficult that following year to come back and do it again once kind of there's the info out there about what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. I think they're the most interesting team in this division. One of the most interesting teams period in the league, because if it all clicks, you could be talking about a really special run that they could go on. Betting Miami to win the Super Bowl at 25 to one is a significantly better bet to me than betting the Jets at 16 to one. Just because we know that at their top level, when they played their best, they're capable of hanging 40 on anybody. We don't know that about the Jets yet. We think they might be able to on offense, but we haven't seen it yet. Miami showed the capability last year of, hey, you don't have two corners that can run with our two receivers, and our quarterback's willing to throw it. So until someone comes up with two corners... The toughest corner duo they may face in the league might be the guys they go against every day in practice in Howard and Ramsey. I don't know that there's a better corner duo in the league, and if there is, it's not by a wide margin. Those, The Dolphins, if they can stay healthy, are one of the scariest teams in the league, and I think they could beat anybody. I really do. I think in any given week, I think they could beat Kansas City. I think they could beat the Eagles. I think they could beat the Niners. There's no team in the NFL where you look at this roster and you see what they have and you say, oh, no, the Dolphins can't beat that team. Now, will they is a different story. Can, can they maximize their potential? The question that you have to ask yourself with Miami is how much do I believe that they're going to try to, to keep Tua from doing the things that make him special, from getting out of the pocket and, and extending plays creating the crazy throws that he created at Alabama, how much are they going to force him to be a pocket passer because of injury risk? And how well can they protect him? If they can keep him upright, the Dolphins are potentially that, the Dolphins are that dark horse team that I think can make that run that Cincinnati made two years ago or that, you know, we saw Philly make last year. They're capable of it. The question is, can they stay healthy? On Caesars, on DraftKings, they are plus 300 to win that division, and I love that bet. I do, too. I love that bet. That's one of the better bets because you're, 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 there's still some you know, some, some odds, right? Plus 750, plus 800 on the Patriots, drawing dead. You have the, the, the possibility that the Bills regress, especially Josh Allen's. The, the potential regression there is real. The Jets are just overrated, and the odds get inflated because of the, all, all the uh, Jets fans. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers is not what the public believes he is anymore. So there's a bunch of reasons why the Dolphins are a value there at plus 300. It's interesting, though, when you look at the 
odds to win MVP and the odds to win comeback player of the year. Okay. So if we look at MVP, we have like, you know, the big seven, right? You got Mahomes through Lamar Jackson. Call that a big seven, right? For MVP. Yep. Then there's a three-way tie to round out the top 10 in terms of the favorites to win MVP. Dak Prescott's one of them. Do you can you do you know who the other two are? I do not. Plus sixteen hundred across the board, though it is a couple of these guys are plus two thousand on DraftKings. Aaron Rodgers and Tua. Tua. And of those, because like we discussed, MVP is a narrative award. The best bet among those three is probably Tua. Tua. And if you're not going to take DeMar Hamlin to win comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin is the... He's going to win it if he takes a snap, Matt. Odds on favorite. <laughs> he's minus 300 on FanDuel and BetMGM. He's minus 500 on DraftKings. Those odds have come down. Yeah, they opened minus 750. The other guy to win comeback player of the year could be Tua or Lamar Jackson. I think both the, the, they're in play in terms of the, the other option. I guess, geez, man. It, it, Lamar didn't even play that badly, and Tua played great last year. I would think that if we're just on the merits of, from just looking at quarterback, the alternative to DeMar Hamlin, it's not going to be Brees Hall. He's no. not going to win comeback player. That's not no. a running back. No. No. But the guy that could and should potentially win comeback player of the year is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was bad, <laughs> but he could be very good. He has been very good before. That, that's a fun story. Also, John Mechie. Oh, that would be a great story. John Mechie didn't take a snap either. That would be a great story. So he had the Hodgkins uh, diagnosis. He can come back. So there's a lot of great comeback player of the year stories out there. And I just find it weird that two was even on there because he played so well. He really did play well. That's That's what gives me so much optimism about the Dolphins if he's healthy is we saw it. We saw it against really good teams. We saw it against Baltimore last year. It, it's not like they were beating up on scrubs. Like, Baltimore is a really, really good football team, especially when they had everybody healthy early in the season. Miami put 45 on them, if I remember right. <laughs> if you've got a, you're, you're going to get into an AFC game at some point in the playoffs where you're going to have to outscore a Burrow, a Mahomes, and Allen. If you're not capable of doing that, you're in big trouble because you can only win one way. We saw this with the Titans and the way they were built. They could win one way, get a lead, bury you. That was the only way that Tennessee was competing with people. They tried to do it to Cincinnati. Cincinnati had one more drive in them than Tennessee did in 2021. This past year, Mahomes and Burrow went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You're going to have to score 24 points to beat one of them. You're probably going to have to get to 30. Unless you're playing, unless they're playing each other, that's been the recipe. Buffalo scored 36 in Kansas City and didn't win that game. But what Miami can do that they cannot is they have two unique receivers that you can't, your scout team can't prepare for. There is no replacement for how fast those two dudes are. Nobody else has anyone that's as fast as one of them. Certainly nobody has two guys that fast, and they're legitimate receivers. They're not just speed guys. Tyreek Hill can take a slant 80 on you any given moment. Jalen Waddle can run away from just about anybody. 
All they need is Tua to stay healthy and the defense to come together the way that we think it can. And this is a team that can really make that run. Jalen Waddle can run away from just about anybody. All they need is Tua to stay healthy and the defense to come together the way that we think it can. And this is a team that can really make that run. Aaron Rodgers comes to town for the Jets. Easily the best quarterback they've had in who knows how long. Since how long? Forever, maybe. Ken O'Brien had a, a couple good years in the 80s. I would probably take Aaron Rodgers. That's just me. Jed Pennington was the first quarterback drafted in the Tom Brady draft class. That's what he's best known for now, right? He was better than people remember. Was he? He's probably the best Jets quarterback ever without ever, ever having taken a snap, that, which is hysterically sad. How do they not have a Marquise Brown or even a Marquise Goodwin on the team? It doesn't make any sense. And if you have to overpay to make a run for a position or two, that's the position to overpay right now. They could have been Cowboys for life. I got a little Patriots helmet. Really? And it's just, it's freaking worthless. They're extending Devontae Parker. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever accused him of being Tom Brady. Yet. Okay, so when we cross against the AFC East, we'll at least beat the Patriots with our identity. And then the Patriots will come back, well, with our identity, we'll at least beat the Steelers. Both teams can't win that game. I would I would favor Pittsburgh. Yeah, B Bill O'Brien is something, but Bill O'Brien's not a whisperer genius guy. Right? He's a chin. He's 71 years old. That DB room is going to be nuts. Can we stop Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, Philadelphia? Oh, my God. <laughs> They're extending Devontae Parker!